if you want to become work optional, you have to know how to create financial goals that will get you there. But most people have no idea where to start. Today, we are diving into how you can create goals to get you on the path to becoming work optional. Welcome to the Work Optional Podcast, uh, where we are discussing personal finance strategies you can use to create a life where you have ownership of your time. Uh, I'm Matt, and with me is my co-host, Rachel. Uh, Today, we're going to discuss how to set work optional and lifestyle goals uh, and how to then reverse engineer your income and savings to make those a reality. So uh, this is going to be our first official episode uh, after the trailer. So uh, Rachel, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to get into this. Setting goals, especially work optional goals, is so important. Um, but it's really hard to do. You know, this we were just talking about this, but this approach uh, and this topic with goal setting is so difficult because people have so many different approaches. What our goal here is today is to just share ours, share one version of it, but it should give you a good foundation. Hopefully this podcast being released beginning of the year. So it's a good time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, uh, and like we were discussing before we hopped on here is the general guidelines that apply to a lot of different retirement savings and ideas don't apply to the work optional approach because there's so much variation. And especially as we talked about in the trailer, everyone has a different version of work optional. So a guideline probably isn't going to fit you, but it's always a good place to start. So with that, I think that we're going to kind of start where we talk to clients to get an idea of the work optional life or just their traditional retirement goals. uh, And the questions we ask them to get an idea of of where they want to be. So Mm -hmm. Rachel, what do you usually uh, kind of talk with clients to, to start off with? Yeah. So your very first step here, when, before we set any goals, before we look at the numbers is we need to get intentional. And this is what Matt does with his clients. This is what I do with my clients. So before I even know what their numbers are, I, we go through this process to make sure that we're creating goals that are based on values and that we're giving the numbers meeting meaning. So some of the, the best way to approach this, I think is to ask some questions. You can do this with a partner or you can do it by yourself. You can journal, whatever works for you. Um, But these questions should give you clarity on the direction that you want to go. So the questions I ask, one of my favorite, favorite ones is what does an ideal day look like for you? So imagine this in a scenario where you are work optional. Um, You've already hit that freedom number. You're there. You've arrived. Now get really detailed and vivid about what that looks like and how you spend your time. So I will even have clients go through, okay, wake up. Then I do this. Then I go, you know, hang out with my children, get as detailed as possible. And and later we're going to talk about why that's so important because that is what's going to drive the numbers. So that's one of my favorite questions to ask. Um, The other ones is, so of course, that is a day that 
is going to be a regularly recurring day, but then you're going to have days that look a little different, like when you're on vacation or maybe you're running a marathon or what other experiences you want to have throughout the year. So my other question I like to ask is what experiences do you want to have? And we're just starting to use these questions to really form what the year looks like to you and to account for all the different expenses that you might have. So at this point, you're going to be thinking about vacations. You're going to be thinking about other things that are going to be kind of one-offs throughout the year. And then I, one of my favorite questions too to ask is, what do you want to splurge on without guilt? So everyone in the personal finance field has a lot of opinions on how people should spend their money. Here, I really want you to get focused on you and what's important to you. And if a nice car is important to you, then that's what you would put here. If upgraded travel is important to you, that's what you would put. But again, all these questions are designed to start to form the picture of what work optional life looks like to you and what does that cost. So I'm going to throw it back to you, Matt. You have some good questions you ask clients too. Can you tell us what those are? Yeah. Yeah. So similar to, to the way that you start, just trying to get an idea of what they enjoy in life. Like what are they going to use their money for that's going to bring them the most satisfaction? So uh, I like to start off with the question. I say, let's say you wake up with $50 million in your bank account tomorrow. How would you spend it to create the life that you want? And almost without fail, the answer, the top like three answers always going to be, uh, I would pay off my mortgage, I would fund my kids' education, and I would uh, retire. And all the time, you know, with this question, you have to dig deeper and you have to say, okay, you know, now you still have probably $49 million left. So, so what are we going to do with it? And the goal of that is to really paint a vivid picture of like, you know, what are you doing? Who are you doing it with? Uh, when are you doing it? And, and how often. So things like that are going to show up in the terms of like vacations. Uh, you know, are you going, is it just you and your spouse? Or are you taking the whole family? Do you want to pay for your kids and their spouses to come on vacation with you, you know, in retirement? Because that's after, for a while I worked with retirees and that was a big goal of theirs. They wanted to basically bring the family together. And, you know, sometimes it's a difficult conversation because people don't think about this. This isn't something that you think about on a normal basis. Uh, and that's what ends up with you saving just to save because you think that's what you're supposed to do instead of saving with with some intention. So as Rachel mentioned, you know this is how you're giving the numbers meaning. Uh, so we want to walk through an example to to give you an idea of what that might look like for for someone in your situation. But what I really want, and I'm sure you do as well, what I really want everyone to understand is, you know, this is what helps you stay the course when things get uh, difficult, when you encounter setbacks or the market is volatile. This is what keeps you on track. Uh, so you're not just staying on track for the sake of investing, because that's never going to be enough to really keep you uh, keep you aligned on your goals. With that, let's go ahead and, and walk through an example. Uh, Rachel, you you kind of drew this one up, so I'll let mm -hmm. you let you start off with it. Yeah, I just I want to give you guys an example so it's really clear on you know what you're looking for and how to start to create um, goals around these questions. So, for example, <laughs> let's give this person a name here. Um, let's say Katie is 26. She wants to be work optional by age 45. So of course, before traditional retirement, um, she is a high earning tech employee. So she's got a decent amount of dollars to distribute to these goals. 
So her ideal day when she's work optional would be, and I'm going to tell you guys where we're going to start to assign numbers here. So wake up in her home. Okay. Home cost of a home. If she's not currently living in one, we've got to think about that. Uh, meditate and journal free. Great. Uh, a healthy breakfast that actually signals in my mind, we've got to consider uh, the cost of food. And if um, organic food or, or local food is important to her, we have to account for that. Go to the gym. So if it's not at our house, um, we're going to have to think about the cost of a gym work for four hours. So my question here is, is this work bringing in income? Is it something she's doing for free? Think about that. Um, lunch with a friend that would cost money. Go on a walk free. Um, spend time with family at home free and then cook at home cost money. So that's what I mean when we go through this ideal day, start to think about, okay, that's a cost that I'm going to have to account for. And it starts to give you a better idea of the numbers. Now, you also have to think about these one-off expenses. So some of the experiences she wants to have is to travel three to four times a year, get really specific there about what, um, where you want to go, where are the type of places you want to see, and how do you want to travel? Um, so upgraded travel, regular travel, think about those numbers too. She wants to run in a marathon, so there will be some expenses maybe associated. I don't run marathons, so I don't know how <laughs> expensive that is, but I assume there's going to be some cost there she has to think about, and then go to concerts, so there's an obvious cost there to, to account for, and then she wants to own a home, so those are some things that she wants, and then a question I didn't mention earlier, but I really like to ask is, how do you want to help others? So this is something that we often always think, okay, at some point in the distant future, I am going to want to donate or volunteer, um, but we never get really get around to it. And I do think this is one of those bigger regrets. So I like to ask this question, but it doesn't have to be money related. So if Katie wants to volunteer at an animal shelter, she should, should certainly include that here, even though it does not have a monetary factor to it. And then what do you want to splurge on without guilt? So referencing back to travel, if Katie wants to do maybe one of those trips um, with upgraded travel, maybe she wants to sit in economy plus when she flies internationally, she would consider that here. So I think that's a good wrap on that first kind of setting goals with intention, um, making sure that you walk through those questions. Next, we want to get even more specific here and talk about how to split up these goals based off of the time horizon until the goal. How would you go about this? So breaking them up between kind of time horizons. So this is really important and this is what we'll get into on the next topic, but it's really important for figuring out um, how to then invest those funds to align the use of the funds with the investments, either uh, horizon or the investment vehicle that you use. So you know, when we look at goals, short-term goals, for example, um, vacation, we said that Katie wants to travel three to four times a year. Uh, so clearly that's going to be happening within, you know, three or four months every year. So, uh, and then one of those is going to be a little bit more expensive. So figuring out, all right, you know, what's, what's the amount that's going to be needed for that? Um, same thing for running a marathon. Chances are, I, I'm assuming if you're running a marathon, you're probably training for it. You're probably planning ahead for it. So you're going to know like, okay, what are my accommodations going to be and travel to, to get there. Uh, and then outside of the monetary side of things, figuring out, all right, what's, what's your time, what are your time constraints? If you want to spend your time volunteering, 
Um, you know, how is that going to work into your ability to potentially work that four hours uh, to earn income? And maybe you get to a point where you want to scale back uh, some of the, the working hours to volunteer more or vice versa. Um, so then medium term goals for Katie, we talked about uh, owning a home. So this is, you know, going to be looking around, you know, maybe three to seven years out. Uh, and that's going to be something that we're going to want to actually invest funds a little bit, uh, but still keep it conservative. And then long-term goals work optional by 45. That's where we really have to figure out, you know, what is our threshold that of assets that we need to reach uh, to, to make that a possibility, which is, as we're going to get into, is going to be a little bit more difficult than when you're thinking about it in terms of a traditional retirement. Um, so then with that, so that gives you a little bit of an overview of, of the time frame. but now we're going to reverse engineer how to use the income that you're making now or the assets that you have now to, to then allocate to those. So Rachel, I know that you have, uh, have kind of a framework for this. So why don't you dive in and, and tell us more about it? All right. Yeah. And just to summarize, so what we just went through was taking these goals and now we broke them up into short, medium, long term goals. Now let's actually start to create these goals and to make them really specific, which I'm sure many of you have heard before. But one of the best ways to create goals is to create smart goals. So that specific, measurable, achievable, relevant and time bound. If you have each of those five things your goals, chances are you've hit a really, or you've created a really good goal that is going to give you a higher chance of actually sticking to it and then ultimately achieving that goal. So think about that. Um, and let's actually break into and dive into some of these goals that we mentioned before. So when it comes to short-term goals, this is actually going to be probably the easiest goals to create because there's not really an investing component here. When it's short-term, and let's define short-term as uh, less than a year, maybe one to two years even, you really don't want to invest the money because market volatility occurs, can occur in the short term. Sometimes market volatility in the short term goes up, but it also can go down. That's why we want to be really careful with where we stick our money um, for short, short term goals. You need to be able to rely on those funds. You need them to stay stable. Um, so that when you go to actually spend the money, that it's there. Um, so if you have a goal of vacation, uh, let's say you figured out there's a vacation you want to go on. It's going to cost you $2,000. You want to go on it in nine months. That's very easy math. We do 2,000 divided by nine. And that's what you need to save. If you're saving monthly, that's what you need to save every month to hit that goal in nine months. Now, for these goals, although we're not investing it, you can certainly pay attention to where you want to put your cash. We're recording at a time where cash is actually receiving attractive interest rate right now, so certainly don't ignore that. Um, you can put it in a high-yield savings account. That is one of my favorite vehicles to use for short-term goals. Um, and just make sure while it's sitting there, while it's waiting to be spent, that it's earning a little bit of interest. Uh, for medium-term goals, this is also pretty easy numbers. Here we're talking about two to five, maybe even up to seven years, two to seven years, medium term goals. So the most common medium term goal I see is saving up for a down payment for a house. 
Now, even this, we want to be really careful with investing um, because even in within a five-year time period, you could still have a lot of market volatility. You're, you can still have a point where your money is losing money, excuse me, where your money in the stock market has lost money over a period of five years. So here we want to use the same kind of math you know, if you have a down payment goal of 100,000, you can break that out by a goal, you know, divide that by five for every year, divide that by 12 to figure out what your monthly savings should be. And don't consider investment returns here. Matt, you had a good point where um, we could go ahead and we can look at fixed income here, maybe some CDs where we can ladder them to mature or bonds where we can have you know, a one-year maturity, two-year maturity, or if it's a, a five-year goal, a five-year maturity. And that extra interest that you may earn by investing it in a bond um, is great, but we aren't really relying on it. Instead, we want to use similar math that we use in the short term, where we're just taking this is what I need and divide that by um, the amount of months that you want to save for, and then don't really include the interest rate here. Is there anything you want to add to that, Matt? No, no. I Like you said, uh, thinking about it in terms of like, you know, maybe uh, you, you ladder out bonds, uh, and if you end up with, uh, you know, over that five-year time frame, you actually make uh, good money with with not only the interest, but maybe bonds appreciate over that time, then great. Um, but that's not what we want to rely on. What we really want to be looking for is, you know, are we going to be on track to achieve this goal regardless of what the market returns are? Uh, and if you are saving at a rate to reach that regardless of returns, then you're going to be there no matter what. And that's really what we want to look at when we're looking at uh, goals that are you know less than our seven to 10 years out. Mm -hmm. So that's an overview of short and medium term goals. They're very similar with how you're going to think about them. Now we have our long-term bucket. This is the most complex and difficult bucket to talk, talk about here. We probably going to have separate episodes dedicated to thinking about these numbers for long-term goals. But the most common goal here is going to be um, a work optional goal, a financial freedom goal, something that is probably decades away from where you are now. So what makes it so difficult is when we're talking about the next year, we have a pretty good idea of, of what's going to happen over the next year. Of course, there are um, unexpected events that happen all, all the time, but it's still, it's such a short time period where we can really use variables that we can rely on and numbers we can rely on here. When it comes to creating goals that are 15, 20 years out, now these variables become a lot more sensitive. And now we're concerned about what are all the things that we're not thinking about? You know, what are market returns? What's inflation going to look like? There's so many things that can happen in the next 20 years to dramatically change um, what you believe the numbers to be. So there are a few rules of thumbs that people talk about, especially in personal finance, like the 25 times rule or also called 4% rule. Um, we want to address here that when you are creating a work optional goal, so say like retiring at age 45, like Katie mentioned, the 4% rule starts to fall apart because the 4% rule was create or guideline. People hate when you say rule. <laughs> um, the 4% guideline was created to survive a 30-year time horizon. 
So now we're talking about goals where your time horizon is much longer and you need the money to last for a much longer time. So the 4% rule starts to fall apart here. Now, if you want to use it for some back of the envelope math or you want to change it to like the 3% rule, that's fine and you can do that. Otherwise, when it comes to this long-term goal, we really like to to emphasize and to focus on reaching a savings rate. So this is something that is much more in our control, something we can really easily track in the short term. So rather than saying, okay, why well, I, I ran the numbers and I need to save like 30,000 a year to hit this goal, let's rather than do that, let's focus on what percentage do we want to save to hit and become work optional as soon as possible. So if you really want to become work optional uh, aggressive very soon, then you might be aiming for a savings rate of 30 plus percent. If you're aiming for more traditional retirement, then we're looking more at like the 20% range. Um, that's a, a better approach that we like to take if you really do if you're somebody who likes to spend a lot of time in excel spreadsheets and really run the numbers there are some great online calculators that you can go to to try to narrow down these numbers honest math has a great one um, for a retirement simulator you can go and run the numbers there um, but again it's just there's so many things that could impact this goal that we like to make it a bit simpler and say let's focus on a savings rate every year rather than a dollar amount so I think that's a good overview of the short, medium, long-term goals, how to break them up, how to think about them. Is there anything you want to add there, Matt? Yeah. I mean, like we said, as far as the, the long-term goals go, the variability of not only your returns, but your life uh, and you know the way that your goals are going to change from 26 to 45 in Katie's example uh, are all going to play a factor and, and change the way that, that you approach things. Um, so that's why I always like to say, even if retirement seems like it's this far, far off, uh, thing that's not even on your radar, it's still helpful to either do it yourself or work with a, a planner who's going to run those long-term cash flow projections that are going to show you, you know, each year, uh, in the, in the near term, here's how you're hitting your, uh, your short-term goals and your medium-term goals. And here's what's left over to hit your long-term goals. And here's what your the probability uh, of hitting your long-term goals is uh, with those. But once you get there, I think what's really important too is to figure out the balance between your short, intermediate, and long-term goals. Because uh, once you, you lay those out and you assign dollar values to those, you have an idea of what you're going to need um, to hit those in the certain timeframes that you have laid out. Uh, you make a an educated guess as far as whether you need to sac make sacrifices in the short term or make them in the long term. Uh, and how do those look? Uh, those basically look like if I don't think I'm on track to hit my, my work optional goal at 45, would I rather push work optional to 50 or would I rather sacrifice a vacation or two every year up until then? So that's where it really helps to, even though the long-term is really hard to, to quantify, it's still helpful to have an idea because that's what's going to help you balance your goals and how you're going to allocate uh, your income and your savings to those. I think the next part that, that we want to hit on is, is basically how to stay on track because everyone gets excited at first, whether like you're paying off debt or whether you're 
starting to save and you're watching those balances accumulate, but that quickly wears off. And then there's going to be times where uh, you, you look at something you want to buy and you decide not to buy it. And you're going to be like, you know what, who cares? Maybe I just want to you know splurge on this now. And that's what, again, why it's important to work into work into the, the short-term goals, what you want to, to splurge on. Um, but regular check-ins, I think, uh, are, are a huge one. And that's where, as far as working, whether it's with a financial advisor or a friend, someone that can kind of keep you accountable. That's what I always say is a very underrated aspect of working with an advisor is it's someone to, to kind of check you, uh, and let you know, you know, you said you wanted this and your behavior, like your savings or your spending is not adding up to what you, what you told me. If what you told me change it changed between now and then, that's perfectly fine. But let's make adjustments to the plan that we laid out to reflect those changes. When we create these goals, they're really, to Matt's point, exciting in the beginning. And we have a lot of motivation. And we think to ourselves, well, this motivation is going to last. It'll probably stick. You know, I'm so excited now. I can't imagine at any point I'm, I'm going to be less excited, but you will be. I mean, every single goal, especially these, these are long-term goals that require really decades of sticking to it when we talk about the long-term goals. So you will get bored. This The excitement does wear off. Maybe not for weird people like Matt and I who love personal finance, but for the vast majority of us, um, that motivation will go away. And also sometimes you'll just get busy. I mean, if I didn't have a lot of my financial goals automated, I would probably not meet them simply because I have phases of my life where I get really busy and forget, forget to do it. So this is where automation can come in and really do a lot of the heavy lifting with making sure that you stay consistent with your goals. If there's one thing you could take away from this episode today, it would be hurry up and create these goals and you know give yourself a good idea of, of what they are, but then automate it. And then if you need to change the automation, hopefully that's easy to do. I can't imagine anybody would be stuck to automated financial goals, but as soon as you've created these goals, move forward with automating it. So that might look like setting up automatic transfers from your checking account to a savings account that's going to uh, create your emergency fund or from a checking account to a different savings account that's going to uh, set up and, and fund your vacation. Or it might look like if you're an employee, um, increasing your 401k contributions. So before that money ever gets to you, that money is going into your 401k and it's like you never saw it. There's so many different ways and most of these goals that we're talking about can and should be automated. Fortunately, financial goals are one of the, the best and easiest ways or types of goals that you can automate. Now, be careful here and make sure that you did not set overly ambitious goals that you're, you've set up and automated and now you can't pay for your rent because you have like 10,000 coming out and going to your emergency fund. So <laughs> I always recommend people start small, start with a little bit of a, a lower amount than maybe you even need to fully fund the goal. See how that works out, especially with your current spending. And if you're able to maintain you know, your fixed costs, some of your discretionary costs, um, while still meeting these goals, start small, you can always increase it. Um, but I think there's if there's one number one piece of advice I could give to people about financial goals, it's to set these up um, on 
to be automated and just forget about it and just go live your life. There's other better things to do as well. And then the most importantly, uh, Matt, maybe you can touch on this, but talking about and bringing it back to that first topic that we touched on, which was being really intentional and making sure you you revisit why you're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And two things too. Um, number one, like you mentioned, uh, as far as being realistic with your goals, <laughs> you don't, uh, don't send $10,000 a month or something to an emergency or vacation fund and then get evicted and be like, well, Matt and Rachel said that I needed to set don't my goals. And, do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and two, the other thing, this is going to be something we we'll talk about in the future. It's not going to be applicable to like a 401k, for example, because 401k contributions are automatically invested. But if you are automating, say, transfers to a non-qualified, like taxable brokerage account, remember that those funds, the cash that you send there does need to get invested. So whether you remind yourself on a monthly or quarterly basis to go and buy a couple shares of whatever it is, um, just make sure that you're not not forgetting that because just transferring the cash to the account isn't going to do anything for you. Um, but going back to reminding yourself of you know, why we really set these goals. Uh, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier about when things get tough and you are, whether it's strapped for cash, maybe you have to take the dog to the vet and they need, like they have an emergency or you have a personal um, medical emergency. There's going to be times where you're not going to hit those savings goals that month because things come up, but don't let those things derail you and completely just throw you off and say, you know what, this isn't worth it. It's not working. Remind yourself of why you're doing it. Remind yourself that you want to be able to wake up at, at home and have a healthy breakfast and go to lunch with your friend, uh, take your dog to the park in the middle of the day when you're 45, instead of waiting until you're, you're 65. Uh, so really remember to, to put a value on those and, and remind yourself that when things get tough, that's why you're doing it. Rachel, did you have anything else? No, I just, I love that last point that you made. One of the, the things that will help you stick to this goal is to remember your why, remember why you're doing it. Um, so really spend time there creating intentional goals because if you have a strong why, it's going to give you a much better chance of actually hitting these goals. So yeah, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. So thank you so much for listening to the Work Optional Podcast. We really hope that you got a lot of value from this episode. And I also really hope that you uh, log off and go and create these goals for yourself and automate them and create really intentional goals surrounded by a strong why too. If you enjoy the show, please consider giving us a rating anywhere that you listen. Um, and you can find me, Rachel Camp, at camp underscore wealth on Twitter, camp wealth on Instagram. Uh, my website is Rachel Camp Wealth. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Matthew underscore Garrisick. Same on Instagram. And uh, my website is unrivaledwm.com. Uh, and next episode, we'll be diving into using the accounts that are going to kind of facilitate these goals. So we mentioned, you know, or I mentioned if you're automating transfers to a non-qualified brokerage account, we're basically going to get into why would you be doing that over doing it to a 401k or, or any other account. Um, but until then, hope you enjoy the episode and uh, talk to you soon. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Like the disclosures say in the bio of this podcast, 
This content is strictly for educational and informational purposes. And because everyone's situation is unique, you should consult with the appropriate professional before enacting any of the information you may hear in this podcast. You should not construe any such information or material as legal tax investment or financial advice. This content is provided as is, and although the material is believed to be accurate, no representations are made that the content is error-free.